If that doesn't ring your bell, your clapper's broken. So open your Bibles, please, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 36. How many of you have your Bible in your hand? Hold it up. Let me look. Let me look. Let me look. All right. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see that. Well, the Bible's, it, that's, the Bible's in there. It's the word that counts, and amen, however you read it. Uh, the point is, I hope that you truly appreciate what it is that you hold in your hand, the, the word of God, and how, how powerful it is. Uh, well, it, it's beyond anything that, that our mind can even imagine, how practical it is because it deals with not only the core issues of our life, the most important things in our life, it deals with all of the, all of the extras, all of the, what we might call the little things, all of the details of our life. It's all here in the Word of God, either a precept or a principle, but in some way the Word of God relates to absolutely everything in our life. And that makes this powerful, practical book the most precious book in all of the world. Now, all of that being said, I'm not a bit confused by the fact that the world in general does not recognize its value. Because this same book that says so many wonderful things to those of us that know the Lord, is the same book that made us aware of our sinfulness. And that's the very last thing that most people want to hear about. They want to think, I'm okay, you're okay, we don't need God, and we don't need a Bible trying to tell us how to live. So they have no appreciation for the Bible whatsoever. So I'm not surprised whenever, you know, the people of the world despise the Word of God, but I must say that I'm deeply troubled by what we see among professing Christians, those that, uh, that disrespect it, those that see no need for it whatsoever, those that refuse to read it, those that never obey it, and yet have the audacity to call themselves Christians. Now that troubles me, but I have to recognize the fact that it's really not anything new. It's been going on throughout history. And uh, this morning here in Jeremiah 26, we see an example of this. It's the story of a king who disliked, disregarded, disrespected the Word of God and literally tried to destroy it, but he was destroyed Instead, Now, I know tomorrow is Memorial Day, and I was thinking back this morning, I can't remember how many years it's been since I preached anything except something that related directly to Memorial Day. And, and, and you might not see the connection this morning, because the message this morning has to do with rejecting God's Word. Now, you might say, well, what does that have to do with Memorial Day? Well, in one sense, nothing. But in another sense, it is a very important issue because Memorial Day 
kind of like a funeral is for the living, not for the dead. There's not anything we can do for those that are deceased except remember them. It's too late to pray for them, too late to help them. And the one thing that every person needs more than anything else is the Word of God. We need to know what God says if we're going to have a relationship with Him. For those that have died and gone on, whether they're in heaven or hell, the opportunity is over. They'll never again, you know, be able to have the privilege of responding to the Word of God. Those in hell wouldn't, and those in heaven, you know, they don't need to because they're living a life of perfection now. But it's not too late for you and I, and it helps us, I think, to live every day of our life in light of the fact that we're going to die, and we're going to give an account for the manner in which we live. And the only way we're going to live as we ought to is for us to receive what God has revealed. Chapter 36, verse 1. And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the, the, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, or the word, this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all of the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all of the nations, from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah even unto this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. The next verse tells us that Jeremiah called Barak, who was his secretary, and, and he commenced writing the words that God had given. Now, verse number 22, we pick up the story as, as the word has now been read to the people. It's been read then to the princes, the, that is the leaders there in Israel. And now we come to verse 22. And the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire upon the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudi had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. Now I realize that I've skipped a lot of verses here this morning, and I've done so for a reason. I've just tried to give you enough in order that you could see the background of the story. This chapter records what one person has called the most strategic moment in the prophet's ministry. Because this is the first time that we know of, anyway, that, that Jeremiah put his prophecies in writing. And here's the situation. Babylon has replaced Assyria as the dominant world power. Egypt is still very strong and a threat. 
And as a result of that, the Babylonians wanted Judah to provide them a, a buffer state in between. And so here at this particular time, Jehoiakim is the king of Judah. He's a very selfish man. He has spent exorbitant sums of money building magnificent palaces for himself. And all of this going on while the land is impoverished by the heavy taxation from Egypt and from Babylon. They were getting it from every direction. And so the people are in dire straits. And here is a king living in the lap of luxury without any real concern about the people. But not only was he a selfish man, he was an exceedingly sinful person who led his own people into idolatry. And so naturally, in a state like that, as you might suspect, God had something to say about it. And Jeremiah's message is a last-ditch effort trying to warn the people and warn the king specifically of what God was about to do. He was about to unleash his fury upon the people unless they repented. And I want you to remember that. There was a window of opportunity at this point, there is a chance for the people to repent. Now, something strange about this is the fact that as I read this, it appears that there, that there were at least nine months that passed from the time this was written until the time that it was read. Now, there's no explanation given or anything except for this, and that is it mentions that it was read on a fast day. In other words, it was, it was read at a time whenever all of the people were going to be assembled. It was a message that God wanted everybody to hear. And so the message is read publicly by Barak, who is the secretary for Jeremiah. But then he meets in private with the princes, the, the leaders of the country. He reads it again. And at this point, they are overwhelmed by fear, as you, you might hope they would be, because God says you either straighten up and fly right, or, you know, I'm going to bring you down. I'm going to destroy you. And so they are quaking in fear, and they go to inform the king. The king, of course, living in the lap of luxury, is sitting there in his winter house. So he's all warm and cozy whenever they come in with this writing from Jeremiah. And no doubt he was anxious to see you know, what was said, and it didn't take long. He reads, it says, three or four leaves on the roll. And, and, and by, by that time he is irritated, and he takes a pen knife, and he cuts those pages off. And then he burned the entire row section by section. Now, what I want you to see is that although the details are different today, there are a great many people that are guilty of exactly the same sin. Is there anybody here that has ever burned your Bible or burned a Bible? Anybody? You know, I, you probably wouldn't admit it if you had, but I've never, I've never taken God's holy word and, and burned it. We... We wouldn't think about doing something like that. But the fact of the matter is, we don't have to burn the Bible to commit the same sin that he did because he refused to obey God's Word. And that's exactly what we do so many times. God has spoken 
According to Acts 3 and verse 21, God has spoken from the very beginning of time. Did you know Adam was a prophet? Adam was a prophet and every single generation has had a prophet or a means whereby God proclaimed His Word. Now, I'm not a prophet. There are no prophets on earth today. God doesn't speak to us through prophets. But God speaks to us through the written Word. That, that, that was the way God has preserved His Word. And there's a good reason why God has chosen to speak through the Word. So... When you read the Bible, you're reading the Word of God. And for us to refuse to listen to what God says is for us to commit the same sin that Jehoiakim did whenever he literally burned the Word of God. What a, what a horrible thought is that we would so disrespect God. And I, I, I want you this morning to consider the seriousness of this matter, the seriousness of rejecting the Word of God. Number one, it manifests your attitude toward God. Now here is a man, the king, who had already, in reality, rejected God. He had already turned to idols and, and led others to do the same thing. And that was the reason why he rejected the Word of God. His actions simply revealed his attitude. And your attitude about the Word of God reveals what you think about God. Now, we'd like to think otherwise. We'd like to think, you know, well, I really love the Lord. I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. I love Jesus with all of my heart. And yet again and again and again, you ignore what the Word of God says. What you think about God is revealed by how you respond to His Word. And the bottom line is that it's obvious that a lot of people have a very low opinion of God. Let that sink in. A very low opinion of God and it shows. It shows by our attitude. It shows by our actions. So when he burned the Word of God, it was just manifesting, that is, revealing, making known to others what his attitude toward God was. And it works the same way with you and I. Listen, when you hear the Word of God, whether you read it, whether Grandma reads it to you, or whether you hear it in Sunday school, Regardless of where you are, when you read the Word of God, that is God speaking to you. And as I've often said, you know, we preachers get up and we preach, and naturally we say a lot of things trying to explain the Word of God, but what we say about the Word of God is never as important as what the Word of God itself says. I could get up here and just go on and on and on and on about my thoughts about the Word of God but it's a whole lot more powerful for us to just read what God actually said because it's always 100% true. So there is a danger. There's a danger of us manifesting our disrespect for God by our attitude toward His Word. But there's another problem. The other problem is the fact that it misleads others. I want you to notice something. Back in verse number 16, it tells us that when the princes had heard all the words, they were what? Afraid. Well, I would think so. 
This is a warning from God that I'm going to destroy you. You either repent, you either get things right, or I'm going to destroy you. They are frightened and they know they've got to take this message to the king. And I reckon they already got it figured out. He ain't going to like what he hears. So they were afraid. But now look at verse 24. This is after the king burned the row. Notice what it says. They were not afraid. You see, the same men who tremble when they first heard God's message now have no fear whatsoever. What happened? What changed? Their concern melted away when they saw the king making light of the Word of God. He's the King. He's the most powerful person in the world. He's the one that makes the rules. He's our leader. He doesn't put much stock in what Jeremiah said. He's not worried about God. Why should we be worried? So there's no fear now. And you see, the same thing happens today. There are people that come to church... They hear the Word of God. They tremble under conviction. God is speaking to them and they're under conviction. And it seems like that they will surely respond. We see it over and over and over. Brother Kenneth can tell you the same thing. Sunday school teachers have come to me and said, pray for so-and-so. They're really under conviction and you can see it. And I, I, I just feel like that any time now they're going to receive Christ as their Savior. But then something happens. After a while, they can sit through a service. They hear the same message. They listen to the same songs. They rub shoulders with the same people. But now they ignore the message without any remorse, without any fear. And a lot of times that happens because of the fact that they have been influenced by the attitude of other people. You see, every time that we refuse to repent, we're sending a message to others, a terrible message, by the way, Others that are observing our life. And mark it down. Somebody's watching you. Might be mom. Might be dad. It might be the kids. It might be the neighbor. Might be, you know, somebody that you would never suspect. But other people are watching you. And, and let's face it. We don't hide near as many of our faults as we think we do. What we usually do is deceive ourselves. We're blind as to the condition of our own heart. We have pretended so long that everything is right in our life that after a while we come to believe our own lie. But make no mistake about it, nobody else is believing it. You know, they see us for what we are. We come to church, we hear the Word of God... And at some particular point, some particular verse or section in the Bible that really hits home, condemning the manner in which you've been living, and you just ignore it. You, you, you just walk out, shrug your shoulders. You might even 
be gracious enough to say, Brother Kenneth, that was a great message today. I really appreciate that. That was so good. And you just walk out the door, but you never dealt with the problem. You never responded to the Word of God. You just ignored it. Well, exactly the same as if you had just taken the Bible and chunked it in the fire. Not a bit of difference. You're rejecting the Word of God. And mark it down. Others take notice of that. They might not be intentionally looking for faults in your life. They might not be looking for a reason to, you know, to have a bad attitude about you, but it's just there. They see how you live and then they see how you fail to respond when the Word of God speaks to you. And there, and, and your attitude about it tells them that God's Word and God's will isn't really all that important. Oh, the preacher was really excited this morning. He got red in the face and he hit on the pulpit and he stomped his foot. And he was really trying to drive home his point this morning. But didn't really excite me. Didn't really move me. Didn't give me any cause for concern. Jehoiakim heard three or four just read three or four of the leaves, it says here. But notice what he did. He cut them with a penknife, but then he, he refused to read the rest of it. And he burned it. Why? Because he already knew he had no intention to obey anything God said. He'd already made up his mind. He hasn't even read the rest of it. Just like saying, you know, I, I don't intend to respond to what God just spoke to me about and I don't want to hear any more from God. That's exactly the attitude here. The impression that we leave is that God's not really worthy of our attention. Mom, Dad, you pack up the kids and take off to church, and I, at least I hope you do. Thank God for parents that do that. And you come to church, and uh, the kiddos sitting there listen to the sermon, and all of the time they're thinking to themselves and comparing the message they hear to the manner in which their parents are living. You know, the hardest thing in the world for a preacher to do is to get up and to preach about something that he knows that he's guilty of. A bad conscience will shut your mouth quicker than anything in the world. If you don't believe that, just stop and think about going to work tomorrow or, or whenever and trying to witness to those you work with. What makes it really tough is because you know they've been watching how you live, listening to what you've said, and now you're going to try to witness to them. You've been living as though God's Word, God's will is not deserving of our attention, and now you want them to give their attention to what you say. You see, we can't reject the Word of God without it having an adverse effect on other people. 
And it trickles down, you know, from mom and dad to the, to the kiddos and it spreads out wherever we go. You invite a neighbor to come to church. They've never been here before. They come in. They sit down. They hear the Word of God. The Spirit of God convicts them as to their manner of life. And then the devil reminds them of what they saw you do last week there in the neighborhood. There goes the message out the window. As far as they're concerned, they're not going to listen anymore. Chances are they might not even come back. But that's not all. If I could just sum it up, whenever we disrespect and we reject the Word of God, it just makes matters worse. It just makes things worse. You, you might think trying to run away from God, ignore the message, go out the door, go eat a good lunch and so forth, that you, you, you'll just forget about it. No, no. It's going to make things worse in your life, not better. And we see that here in this story. If we had the time to read verse 27 down through verse 32, this is what happens. After the first roll was destroyed, God told Jeremiah, do it again. Rewrite it. So he rewrote it. But this time there was something added to it. The king has now crossed the deadline. Now judgment is certain. He has sealed his fate. There will be no more opportunities. The message now is, as a result of what you've done, your attitude toward my word, judgment is coming upon you and upon your people, and there's nothing you can do. Before, you could have repented. But now you've crossed the dead. You've made matters worse. Now let me tell you, God could have said exactly the same thing the first time it was written and would have been justified. He could have said throughout the history of this nation, I've given you warning after warning after warning. You know better. You know you've done wrong. And judgment is coming. But God is a God of grace. And God said, if you will repent, I'll spare you. And his attitude was, throw it in the fire. We don't have anything to worry about, fellas. Strike up the band. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, write it again and add this to it. It's too late. You see, God's Word's going to be fulfilled regardless of what we think. We can laugh at it. We can complain about it. We can curse it. We can deny it. We can even burn the Bible. But God's going to do what He said, and puny man cannot stop God. And the point is, as we struggle against God, and that's what we're doing when we are resisting the Word of God, we're fighting against God. You're going to lose. Every time, you're just going to make things worse. Resisting what God said because you have chosen to live in another way. 
The Lord said in John chapter 12, verse number 48, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. Dear friend, listen, millions have already gone to their graves without ever accepting what the Bible says, without ever receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. I know we'd all like to think about those heroes that died fighting for this country, and we'd like to think about our relatives that that died for that cause, and we'd like to think they're all in heaven. But let's not kid ourselves. We know better than that. As Jesus said, you must be born again. And it's one thing to lose your life fighting for your country. It's another thing to go to heaven when you die. And the whole point is, nobody ever sins successfully because we all ultimately have to face the consequences of our sin. We can't say God didn't warn us. Whenever you get home, read Deuteronomy chapter 8. Whatever, you, you ought to read that and just think about That was God's message telling them, don't you ever forget about me. Don't ever forget about me. I've given you the power to get wealth, and I've given you the power to do this. I've given you all of these blessings and all of these privileges. Remember me. Don't you forget about me. It's too late for those that have already passed. But it's not too late for you. It's not too late for you. I've often made the statement that every time we come to church, every time that we hear the Word of God, we either leave better or worse. I believe that with all of my heart. We hear the Word of God if we respond to it. There are going to be changes made in our life for the better. When we don't, our heart becomes calloused. It becomes cold. It becomes hard. And it's more difficult for us to respond to what we know to be the Word of God. So when God speaks, we ought to, we ought to listen. And let me just ask you, what is, what is God saying to you? I don't mean necessarily through this message, but, but what has God been saying to you? As you read your Bible, as you attend Sunday school, whatever it is, what has God been saying to you? Can you honestly say that I, I, I just can't think of anything that, you know, that God's saying to me? I can't think of anything that God wants me to do. I'm going to tell you, if you've been reading the Word of God or listening to the Word of God, I don't believe that. I don't believe there's anybody here that can honestly say, God's not dealing with me about anything, but we come down to the time such as this with the invitation and the opportunity for us to respond, the opportunity for us to make things right with God, and we walk out the door just like, well, either God hasn't spoken or I'm not listening, one of the two. God hasn't quit speaking. Amen. He has a message for each and every one of us, for some of you. 
the message might be, you must be born again. There are some unsaved people that have heard the gospel hundreds of times, and they've never yet responded by receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They might have even joined the church, but they've never really been born again. And deep down somewhere in the deepest recesses of their heart, they know they haven't really been saved. They have no assurance of heaven in their heart. And God convicts them and deals with them. And they go on ignoring it over and over. Let me tell you, you're making it worse. And someday, someday you're liable to cross that deadline just like the king did. And there will be no more opportunities. There will be no more chances to be saved. For some of you, you've received Christ as your Savior. And God's been dealing with you about the need for you to make a public profession by way of baptism. And you ought to do that. I remember years ago back in Missouri, and we didn't even have a baptistry. We had to go down to the creek and... And we made a practice that if somebody made a profession of faith, we asked them if they wanted to get baptized. They said yes. We said we'd ask them now. Sometimes people would say, well, no, I'm not ready. And other times they said, well, you mean now? Yeah, let's go to the creek. And we, we loaded up and went down to the creek and had a baptism. If you ought to follow the Lord in baptism, why in the world would you want to wait? I mean, if this is your first step of obedience to the Lord after you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you ought to be scripturally baptized as soon as possible. For others, it might be God's been speaking to you about, about becoming an active, faithful member of a Bible-believing church. It might not be this one, but it might be. I don't know. But you ought to do that. Don't just keep putting it off. You know, well, someday I'll get around to it. Someday I'm going to become a church member. No, you know what God might be saying to you, but chances are you do. You say, well, I, just, I can't imagine, preacher, what it might be. You give me another 30 minutes and I'll tell you, because I can just go down a list of things and I'll guarantee you before I get through, you'll know something that God's been saying to you, and you've just been totally ignoring Him so far. You just brush it off like it's no big deal. And that's why Jesus said, The word, the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge you. The book that enlightens your mind will be the same book that condemns you when you refuse to respond. So what's God saying to you this morning? Whatever it is, the best thing you can do is say, Lord, I got the message. I know what you want, and I'm going to give it. I know what you want me to do. I'm going to do it. And, and just give God what he wants because you never lose. When you give God what he wants, it, it, it's always for the better. Will you give him what he wants this morning? Out of the depths of his great love, he has spoken to you through his word. And the best favor you can do for yourself is to say, Lord, just as Jesus did, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's stand together. Tim comes and the musicians and we prepare for the invitation. Look, you don't have to say anything to me or Brother Preston if you don't want to. 
If we can help you, we'd be glad to, but you don't have to say a word. But if God's been dealing with your heart about some issue in your life, why don't you just settle that here this morning? Whether you walk down the aisle or not, that, I, I don't care whether you do that or not. That, you know, if, if that's what you want to do and you want to get down here and kneel in prayer, that's fine, wonderful. Maybe you just want to just sit down right where you are, kneel down or remain standing. It's the attitude of your heart that's, that, Lord, I know what you're saying. I hear you, Lord. I know what you're saying. And I'm on your side. I just want your will to be done in my life. Father, bless your word this morning. Use it for your glory and our good. And remove every hindrance. Drive the devil, as it were, away from us this morning. And give us victory. For we beg it in Jesus' name. Amen.